from the top of the charts to the dusty $1 bin and everything in between, it's time for another review on Life to Labyrinth. She would be. Yeah, we had a long... Anyways, we can talk about this after. Right, we can... we'll, take, we'll, we'll take it offline. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, now All I'm right. now I'm too hot. Oh god, this fucking heater. <laughs> well, welcome back to Life to Labyrinth podcast, everyone. My name is Bryn, joined as always by Angie. Hi. Still saw Steven, so pour some out for our our departed brother. Oh, Not I'll departed drink, forever. I'll, dr- I'll drink one for Steven. Don't worry. All right. Okay, we'll we'll both have one for Steven. And uh Godspeed. Hopefully he's back soon. And if not, we'll just continue to hold down the fort, and the longer he stays away, the more we can mock him mercilessly when he finally (laughs) drags his butt back into work. (laughs) So, this is my, this was my choice this week, but I would be remiss if I discussed this album. I think, I think it was my choice, kind of having forgotten how much you love it. So, Angie, what, what did we listen to this week? What has, what has our week been like? Okay, so I can't tell you how excited I was about this. So you chose Alanis Morissette, Jagged Little Pill. I'm just going to jump right into it. This, you know when they do the stupid Facebook things where it's like, just post pictures of the top 10 albums of your life that were most, who gives a shit? I did this recently because that's how bored I am. And uh, this album was in it. This is one of my top 10, like most influential albums of my life. This was... This was the first CD I ever bought, like without any parental influences. Like I've talked about Queen and Aretha, but obviously my parents listened to that. But this was my first, like, I'm holding this CD. I've chosen to buy this. This is really exciting. And it just, I don't know. I I think it might've just changed my life and the, and the course of everything. That's so cool. Cause once upon a time, as I'm sure you, you recall, if you're a listener or Angie yourself, Steven and I, I think in our second week of the, or second month of the podcast, we listened to the first albums that we ever bought for ourselves or had our parents buy for us. Awesome. Right. And so I very, without knowing I've inadvertently chosen the first album that had like what i would consider the first real angry breakup song on it and the first album you ever owned so we can kind of i think it'd be fun to sort of talk about like yeah we're doing breakup albums and stuff and obviously that's why i chose it but the stories of you and like why this album and all that it's going to be accidentally a much probably better episode than i initially (laughs) thought it was going to (laughs) be i had so much fun listening to it and recently it was the mm, i think it was the 25th anniversary of it Although I'm trying to do math in my head and that doesn't make sense, but we, yeah, could, be here. we could be here all night. If, okay, I was gonna say or we could be here, like here all night if I'm trying to do math. Yeah, because uh, I'll jump in if I can. Because I saw it was the, in 2020, I think it was the 20th or 25th or something like that. Came out in '95, so 2020 would be 20. 2020 would be 25 years. I don't know. Again, we're not <laughs> math. We listen to music and we don't do math. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, um, but yeah. I saw an interview that came out, I think, in 2019 as part of my like dive into this album, where Taylor Hawkins, Taylor Hawkins, Hawkins from Foo from Fighters, the, or for the Foo Fighters, he was the original touring drummer for the Jagged Little Pill tour. Oh shit! I think I came across some of the people in her original band and was shocked, but that's cool. That's yeah, cool. So- so Taylor Hawkins like has has been the person to like introduce her into like s- into some Hall of Fame things, and so um, he did an interview I think in 2019 where he was talking about how 2020 was going to be some anniversary, and he wanted to reach out to Alanis to be like, hey, let's get the original band back together and do like a five night thing somewhere and stuff, and obviously it didn't work out because of 2020 being 2020, but. Yes, there's some anniversary that, that came up. And so, yeah, apparently the, he and Alanis had been sort of even loosely thinking about it, which would have been cool. But yeah, one of the fun facts is, yeah, uh, the original touring band for this featured Taylor Hawkins of the Foo Fighters. I feel like there were a couple of other interesting people, which I will try and find while we're talking. But when that anniversary came up, I went and bought the vinyl. Nice. As a present to myself because I'm 
just so in love with this album but i will say 1995 to 2020 is 25 years by the way i did the math thank you for doing i thought it was 25 <laughs> but i had written 1993 and i was like am i stupid okay. i'm at 95 <laughs> okay, great so i think uh well first of all i enjoyed listening to it i always do i like i think i've explained this before I get very emotional when I listen to like my music, like crying through the whole sound of music thing. Mm. I just hit the, like, you ought to know, I always tear up and you ought to know I'm such a baby. Anyways, what really blew my mind when I started kind of doing the deep dive, because you mentioned listening to the videos and you know yes. me, I'm never on the YouTubes because I'm a hundred. <laughs> Googling, not Googling, fuck. Looking it up on YouTube brought me to see that Britney Spears and Beyonce had done live covers of this. And it was only then when I realized how big that fucking song was. You ought to know, yeah. It's hard for us to know because we're from Ottawa and our girls from Ottawa. So I feel like a lot of times with Canadian music, I don't know how big, we we never know how giant it is because it's big for us. You yeah. know, like example, well, this- Tragically Hip or something and they're fucking nobody's anywhere else. So yeah, it, sh- it floored me. Yeah, for those of you who aren't Canadian, we have a thing here called the CRTC, which basically is mm-hmm. a governing body that requires on the radio and on like much music, which is our MTV here and stuff, you have to have a certain amount of Canadian content to get a license to broadcast. So I think it's something like 40% or something like that. I didn't look it up. I used to know when I was doing radio broadcasting, but it's some like fairly high amount of Canadian content has to be broadcast on all of our radio stations. And there's a whole list of things that can classify something as a Canadian content. Like it's not just a Canadian artist. It has to be like recorded in Canada or produced in Canada or a Canadian producer. Like there's a whole criteria of things that classify something as a Canadian artist. It's kind of really outdated, but it still exists. So yes. So for someone like Alanis Morissette, who's Canadian, we would have no general idea of how much we were hearing her at at the time versus how much was actually being played of her in the US, which is obviously a far more important marketplace. But I get the impression that she was just big everywhere. Can um, when we're speaking of CanCon, do you remember when Brian Adams wasn't considered a Canadian artist or something because he was living in France and recorded in Europe and the whole band was European, so he wasn't yeah. considered part of CanCon? <laughs> Shania Twain went through the same thing. Oh, boy. Because she was living in, like, Switzerland or something with Mutt Lang, who's an American and all this. So, yeah, she was the only Canadian aspect of it. So, Shania Twain albums, some of them, uh, aren't Canadian content either. So, it's very outdated. We have a lot of artists that, like, can absolutely stand on their own. And it's it's not really necessary anymore, but it's something that still exists in our country. Yes. So, that floored me that, I mean, seeing Beyonce kind of rip onto it or rip into it in a live performance really hit home for me that this was it was a giant track it was massive i i had no idea that it had that kind of influence so like it was super influential for me but i didn't realize that it was so far reaching which was fascinating and yeah i was very happy to hear that i think it was well deserved i think that album's amazing although i have no context for it because it was like the first thing that really brought me life and we we were also like 11 too when it came out right yeah i don't think i bought it when it right came out like that doesn't make sense to me maybe i did but i the other thing that really shocked me was reading that um shit where's the quote where rolling stone called her like queen of alt rock for life or something ridiculous like that's huge praise that's that's a girl that went to high school two blocks from where i'm sitting right now (laughs) yeah exactly (laughs) how crazy (laughs) hey glebe hey whatever immaculata yeah so for context i looked it up real quick there's a few there's a whole lot of charts but so you ought to know on its own i didn't look up jagged little pill or anything you ought to know um reached number one in the u.s alternative airplay billboard chart reached number three on the u.s mainstream rock billboard chart and the u.s mainstream top 40 it reached number seven so that's just in the u.s um it actually did better in the u.s than it did in canada because in canadian top singles it was number six and Australia reached number four and New Zealand it reached number three. Everything else is sort of like not important. Wow. 
So I guess the on top of that, my next surprising thing was how much music she's done after that that hasn't even remotely, remotely touched that throughout her whole career. She oh, just yeah. put an album out last year, which I got excited about because, of course, like I now live in the age of Instagram, so I could see all of this because I had missed a lot of the other stuff. Yeah, how interesting is that, that you have like that one single and then you have a career spanning like 25 years and you've never kind of get to that same thing. That surprised me. It also surprised me how much work she's put out. She has put out a lot of music, which I was excited to learn because I think that's going to be fun to delve into. It's I did get into it a little bit this week and it was there was some cool stuff like I had just no idea. I don't know why. I just like listen to this one album and pretend nothing else existed. Yeah, it looks like on Spotify anyway, not including live albums and like re-releases, it looks like she's got 10 albums. Uh, yeah, a ton. No, I started listening to them. I don't know if you were ever creeping me on Spotify, but I got into some bit. major tangents this week. I started um, listening to a few of her other songs, definitely. Yeah, I actually got um, under or is it? Not Under Rug Swept, that's the name of the album. Hands Clean. I got Hands Clean. I listened to that once and I had it in my head for like the rest of the week. Yeah. And I, I kept listening to it over and over single. again. I remember Thank You and Hands Clean. What I kind of discovered was the song 80 Easy Steps, which is super catchy and poppy and fun. Um, but so much content, so much art she's created that I'm excited to know is there when I'm ready to... I mean, I can't compare it to that album. I can't compare anything to that album. Nothing compares to you. Like, (laughs) I just, I can't. But yeah, I also got into a deep wormhole about like her podcast and and reading about her. And she, I just, I have a love for her. (laughs) It makes me happy because yeah, I think as I mentioned in our last episode, the reason that I kind of thought of doing this album is because I started listening to it as a result of listening to something else that we had been listening to. I forget what album it was. It might have been um, Hosier. I think I started listening to her, her th- to Jagged Little Pill that week. And I kind of did the same thing that you did this week, where I like did a deep dive and found a performance that she, uh, where she performed Do You Ought to Know with Taylor Swift. And I found the Britney Spears thing. Didn't find the Beyonce one, which is cool. Um, but you know, I went and watched like her performance at Woodstock '99, and I went and watched. I watched watch, like every single uh, "You Ought to Know" performance I could find on YouTube. And there's one of her like enormously pregnant in like 2018 or 2019, just strutting around the stage like you know the fucking queen that she is and stuff. And it just made me just like I guess I don't know proud to be like Canadian and just be like I'm because there's so few Canadian artists that I genuinely like, and it's it's not necessarily their fault. I think. With the oversaturation of Canadian stuff being thrust on us on the radio, I kind of, Mm. you burn out on it really quickly, you know? There's only, you hear the same, like, eight Rush songs on the Canadian radio stations for, like, 36 years. It's eventually just like, I don't want to anymore. And Alanis... And dare I I say the Tragically Hip, probably the most overplayed band. Most overplayed Canadian band. For sure, yeah. Way to ruin, you know, the excitement on something like that. Sorry, keep going. Oh, no, it's fine. But yes, the Tragically Hip are a fantastic band. But as a, somebody that was, you hear them on like every single rock station. I can't every hear single them anymore. Station. I can't yeah. enjoy it. Rest in peace, Gort Downey, nonetheless. Of course, <laughs> my God. Yeah. But yeah, I think it was fun to like deep dive Alanis. And because I've never have before. Like, I heard, I heard Jagged Little Pill. I heard the singles when they came out when I was a kid. And like, I've heard them, you know, there's all those top 10 or songs of the 90s or whatever that they'd have those MTV shows and stuff when we were like in high school and shit like that. And you ought to know it always show up on them or ironic. There's all of those like meme jokes about ironic. and Yeah, because our whole generation doesn't know what irony is. <laughs> <laughs> yes, <laughs> nor hers apparently, yeah. and uh, or even that Family Guy thing where the, I think Carter's trying to give Stewie like a jag little pill album. He's like, really? This was like my entire 1995, my 1995 and 1996. Like Alanis Morissette is she's part of the cultural landscape so much that everyone understands jokes. Aside from hearing her on the radio when Jag Little Pill came out, or when um, when Thank You was on the radio, when supposed former infatuation junkie came out, and when. 
I remember when Hands Clean and Underrug Swept was on the radio. And then I remember at the time being like, I liked Alanis when she was angry. Uh, same, 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 same. But I kind of realized as I've listened to a little bit more of her and listened to Jaggy Little Pill now like on a fucking loop for a week. She wasn't particularly angry <laughs> on this album either, other than you ought to know. It's true. Um, yeah. <laughs> But I remember, I'll never forget, I don't know why, but I'll just share this. I remember sitting in the car when I was, when this album was everywhere. So I was probably like 11, yeah, 11 or 12. And we were listening to this rock station. I was in the car with my parents. We we're getting ice cream. My dad wasn't in the car, so I was waiting for him to come back and stuff. And, and they had one of those like stingers on the radio station at the time. I don't even remember what radio station it was because it was so long ago. But it was like, hey, this is Alanis Morissette. And when I'm not pissed off at the world, I listen to, you know, CKDJ or whatever. <laughs> you know, oh like, my God. And I remember, oh. and I, but yeah, but I think, I think I realized my memories of her being angry were because that's how she was marketed. She was marketed as the angsty, you know, alternative woman. Yeah. But when you listen to the album, a lot of it's not really that way. It's, it's certainly not as angry as sort of the contemporary music that was out at the time. Yeah, no, I agree with that. And and everything since has not had that like intensity to it that the one song that kind of yeah. defined her career as whatever. The sorry, the queen of alt angst according to Rolling Stone. Yeah, I disagree. Yeah, just but but at the same time, that is the song that of course sticks with me the most. And that song was like, oh, it's it's okay to be pissed off. It's okay to call people out. It's okay to say this isn't okay. So just as much as yes, I think that title was overplayed, it was kind of fucking important for my life to be like, oh, you can be a pissed off lady. That's okay. You can say, here's what I fucking think about this. I think it like how brilliant. You know, yeah. this was way before the Avril Lavigne and Meredith Brooks and shit like that. Not like Meredith Brooks was angsty, but... Um, <laughs> Avril Lavigne certainly wanted to be. Yeah, and I don't know, man. I was a very angry kid growing up, and this was... Not kid, I was an angry teenager. And this definitely, this song was, you know, my anthem for half of my life, I feel like. <laughs> that's that's so cool. That's so cool. Because, you know, I remember it as being the first time I heard a song that was about a breakup and was angry. It wasn't a sad song or some kind of lamenting song or, you know, with the music exposure that I had through my folks at the time and what was on the radio, especially from women, it was all... It was a lot of like sad. It was a lot of like if it was about like lost love, they were sad songs. And she was just like, you can go fuck yourself. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. Which is brilliant. Yeah. And I remember how I sort of have these memories of like how important it was to other girls that I knew. Because I, I went to school in grade five and six to go to French immersion school. I was shipped off to Pakenham. Oh, yeah. <laughs> It's just the school, this, the, I was at Comba in our town for kindergarten to grade four. And if you wanted to go to French immersion from that school, you got shipped not to the other school in our town that had French immersion. You got shipped to another, the village 20 minutes down the road called Pakenham. And we used to have this like 20 minute bus ride to and from school every day. And the bus driver is this grumpy old farmer, I think, named George Brown. Because of oh course he God, was named Oh my God, mine that. was a grumpy old farmer too. <laughs> different <laughs> guy, now. different guy. Yeah. This guy, like, he, he had it out for me, genuinely. I've never met an adult that had it out for me more than this man. But he tried to, like, he legit tried to kick me off the bus for literally nothing. I got bullied mercilessly on this bus, and he decided that I was the problem. Anyway, but I, but I remember this girl that you probably know, Jessica Kay. You probably remember her. She was on the bus with us and she had this album on tape and she asked him to play it but she like i remember her going up and down the bus a little bit being like because she was gonna play she's like when it gets to hand in my pocket and she says i'm scared but i'm chicken shit just yell chicken so he doesn't hear her say shit and so we all tried to and he heard he heard Atlantis go like i'm you know i'm brave but i'm chicken shit or whatever he's like oh i'm not listening to this i'm ready like it's like he fired the tape and like oh tore my god so funny he just he's like i'm not having this and that's inappropriate i don't think so and blah 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 it's just like it's I also so can't funny. believe that someone had this on cassette. Like, weren't we into the CDs by then? Well, by like not when this came out, ninety-five cassettes were still absolutely yeah, they were golden. But like, yeah, with the times, 
<laughs> yeah, eleven year old. Jesus, <laughs> I had my, a CD player. Yeah, I had my yellow Sony Discman. God damn it! Oh, you actually had the yellow one. I think so. How baller! Well, I definitely had the yellow Sony cassette player. So maybe I'm lying about the CD player. <laughs> yeah, but oh, that's so funny! It was just yeah, yeah how were... intensely prolific. So anyway, that was a funny memory I had listening to this album. I remember, yeah, him just being like. uh we're not having that on my bus or whatever, blah, 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 blah. And how cool so. being like 11, 12, 13 and having someone talk about, you know, is she preferred, perverted like me? Would she go down on you in a theater? You're like, yeah, what Before you even the? know what that means. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of lyrics, I will definitely tell you that I definitely thought she was singing about a cross-eyed bear for most of my life. Uh, I did too until the other night when I looked it up after you called attention to it and I was like, oh, is that what she's saying? I genuinely, for my entire life, from yeah, like the age of 11 to the age of 36, have thought that she sang the line, a cross-eyed bear. And I thought it was some like inside joke so the person she wrote it about would know it was about them. Don't you see I, her clutching to like a little Teddy Ruxpin with cross eyes and it's like, you gave this to me! hundred percent, because we all have those mementos from relationships, right? Like the goofy yeah. thing that's, you know, it's like, I love it because he's cross-eyed. I a hundred percent thought, I, and yeah. for those of you who don't know, the actual line is, the cross I bear, like Jesus, which I yeah. think the cross-eyed bear makes more, more sense, if I'm honest. <laughs> when I read it, I was like, but, but you know, the, the, the cross I bear that you gave to me is really clumsy sounding, but the cross-eyed bear that you gave me sounds like a <laughs> gift. That she thought was the cutest thing because the bear was cross-eyed. I was like, so I think I think the line should be cross-eyed bear. So <laughs> I think we could just write a letter to Alanis and say yeah, we have some thoughts. <laughs> about your lyrics. <laughs> we have some updates to pitch to you. Yeah, that's Unsol super funny. Unsolicited lyric advice from two strangers. Like, we're from Ottawa, so we feel like we can weigh in on yeah, this. Yeah, totally. <laughs> I'm so bad with lyrics, but that, I feel like I know a lot of her lyrics, but that one, shit, I definitely took a thousand years to get on board with that. I also thought when she starts the song, when she's like, I want you to know that I'm happy for you. Yeah. For my entire life until that week that I did deep dove and started hearing her sing it live. I thought she said, I'm half baked for you. <laughs> I thought she was talking about being high. <laughs> uh, okay. I was like, what do you mean? Okay, that's amazing. Well, she kind you know, of like says, like, I'm so much. happy for you. Like, she, I could see yeah. her could be, like, half-baked. I get it. I yeah. actually, I see that. I think if you listen to it, thinking that I'm hearing half-baked, you'll hear it. But then I saw her perform it live, and she's like, I'm happy for you. I'm like, oh. <laughs> Again. Button it changed, and so I hear it now. But yeah, again, all those years, I thought she was saying, "I'm half baked for you." That's great. Which again, I think is a totally legit line to sing. Hundred percent. Like we've all been in love where it feels like you're high because you're so into them. That's super funny. But yes, so like I said when you messaged me, but I was like, I'll be honest with you. And so you're like, my wait for it. Honest. There's worse. I think here's my where's my moment of honesty. My biggest lyrical fuck up in the world, I think, was when we went to go see a Conaline crush and I was next to my friend Jessica Rivington and we were screaming the words and I looked at her because we had the exact opposite words. <laughs> and then I looked them up and I was so off base. I had basically created a whole world and song in my head that didn't exist. And it was uh, hilarious. So ever since then, like, I don't trust anything that I'm singing. And my partner, because I sing along to every song ever in the car, is like, as much as you think you know the lyrics, I can guarantee you don't. And you're yelling, yell singing at the top of your lungs, and you're not nailing it. I'm like, yes, I am. And whatever, carry on. <laughs> um, so you, you mentioned- know, No one even asked you. <laughs> yeah, rude. I'm going to scream along to every song ever anyways. <laughs> When you start making me drinks when I ask, you get to comment on my thing. <laughs> That's right. So you mentioned watching the videos. I think I had I seen a lot of the videos. I loved Head Over Feet because I feel like it was her being vulnerable and, and kind of... She stops and she looks like she's listening to the lyrics and isn't 
comfortable owning them. I don't know. I adored it. I thought it was super sweet and super vulnerable and very uh, a simple video. But when I was watching you learn, I died when she had those faux faux white girl dreadlocks because I yes. definitely did those. I definitely <laughs> did that in high school. It took a lot of gel and a lot of wet hair and a lot of twirling. But I just started hysterically laughing when I saw them because <laughs> I also attempted the faux dread. <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny because all my memories of you are you with like your pixie cut. I oh, kind of forgot that, that was you had after long high hair. school. Yeah, I forgot that you had long hair in high school. Yeah, long. I dyed it like black and dark yeah. purple, and you know, you're cool and intimidating. It's cool. Well, it's yeah. all right. I had the most. I I had the most beautiful hair color, and I put black over it for years, which is unfortunate. Well, Look at me talking about my hair like it's nice. You still have hair on your head. I have hair everywhere else but where I'm supposed to. <laughs> you can't see it because I'm in the dark, but I'm so fucking gray. It's unbelievable. But it's coming <laughs> I take in gray like. Overall. It's come. Well, I mean, yeah, different uh, girls don't usually. Well, sometimes. But it's coming in like Gemma from Sons of Anarchy, which I think is hysterical because I, uh, I love Gemma from Sons of Anarchy with all my heart. And it's coming in in these giant chunks just like her. Oh, it's so funny. Hysterical. But yeah, it was fun to watch. Fun to watch the videos. Oh, can we just pause for one second and talk about how You Ought to Know is about David Coulier from Full House? Well, that's what he claims. <laughs> but like, what? That, that seems to be the most legitimate claim. She has, as recently as I think a Howard Stern interview in 2019, said that she won't ever say who it is. Because it's sort of like, it'll take the magic away. It's like, and she doesn't, I think she doesn't want to just, even if it is about Dave Coulier, she doesn't want to justify his feelings. It's sort of like, no. no yeah, no. you don't get that. Fuck you. But I yeah, just... Exactly. What an odd, I mean, whatever, but she was a baby and he was playing. Uh, Joe. He was Jesse, Joey. Joey. Yeah, I don't even yeah. remember. When I learned that fact, or if it is a fact, I saw it on the Surreal Life um, reality show on MTV, which is basically a bunch of former celebrities, like D and C list celebrities at this point, that were <laughs> locked in a house. Oh my and God. Dave Coulier was in one of the seasons, and he said in that 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 song is about him. And I was like, what? It's almost like, I don't know why I think of this, but it's almost like saying this, the C word. It's like, she can say that, but you can't. Like, I can own that word. That's from me. You can't yes. fucking say that and claim it, because the only thing you're claiming is that you're a bit of a fucking dick. Yeah, I'm not Australian. I can't get away with that. Exactly. Yeah, the videos. Um, I hadn't seen any of them except ironic. Sure. I'd seen snippets of You Ought to Know, I think, on some of those like countdown shows and stuff. I hadn't seen any of the others. And I one of the things you mentioned about... Was it... Is it Hand Over Feet? Where she's got those dreads? And she's like walking around town and you, stuff? You Learn, maybe? Is it, you, that's, that's You Learn? Okay. Thank you. I noticed in that that she seemed to randomly change clothes through the video. And I was like, is this a trope that she was trying to do? Like she did ironic where she was dressed four different ways. Oh, interesting. And now in the video, she's changing her clothes. But I didn't know if it was supposed to be like, these are different days or this is supposed to be like her in a different mood or it's like, like ironic where it's like four different people. So anyway, it's just something I noticed because I hadn't seen it before. So I was sort of seeing it obviously with fresh eyes and I was like, she keeps changing clothes, but it's not really addressed why. It's just something I thought was interesting. I just think she was being too cool for school and just changing. Like I have like eight sweaters and I just no can't pick deal. one. <laughs> and she wears yeah. her sweater inside out and you say, how appropriate. Boo. Oh, God, I love that line. I love that line. I'm like, yeah, I was quirky. I was a quirky girl, too. I was quirky. I still am fucking quirky. My daughter will, like, borrow my t-shirts and wear them backwards because she wants, because some of them have, like, a thing on them or something. Or she finds a t-shirt. Yeah, she, like, she'll swipe her brother's t-shirts. She'll swipe mine, her mom's, whatever. I think she just, she's, like, a bigger kid, right? So she feels comfortable wearing, like, big shirts and stuff. We've all been there. And um, I just took my off because I'm too hot. <laughs> and um, and so she, 
If she finds one that's got like something on the back, she'll turn it around and wear it backwards so that it's on the front. Well, can you please play that line for her so she knows that other people were with her? Other Canadians love feel yeah. her. Yes, I'm sure. I don't. I well, she's probably heard most of the albums. I played it a bunch in the car, and she. I, I'll say. She was the one that's like, are you still listening to this? I was like, yeah, I haven't recorded it yet. She's like, it's awful. Oh, no. <laughs> I was I... like, what don't you like? She's like, the singing. The <laughs> She's like, the lyrics are terrible. <laughs> I was like, In you the listen meantime, to Ari- she, well, yeah, what is she listening to? Ariana Grande. Oh, and Lady yeah. Gaga. Those lyrics are top notch. Yeah. So Yeah, that's so funny. Trying to cut her some slack. She is eight. When I was eight, I was listening to Ace of Bakes. Yeah. I mean, I think when I was eight, I went through a weird um, 50s phase where I had a bunch of cassettes with 50s music and I got into like bizarre stuff. That's fun. I will say, I think with some of her later music, speaking of lyrics, I find that she can try to jam a lot of intelligent thought into a line that doesn't um, flow. I do find some of her lyrics clumsy, I'll be honest. Yeah, I know, not so much with this album sometimes, but with her most recent album, I was excited to see she had new music. And like I said, I hadn't heard any of her stuff in years. And there are some great songs, but I did find it felt like a lot of, I don't know, trying to shove too much thought into one thing without thinking about the flow. Yes. Yeah, I don't remember what song it is, but there was there was some line that she sang in one of the songs on this album, and that was what caused Elliot to be like, these lyrics are bad, and it's just, it didn't flow. It was like she was trying to stick this word on the end of the line that had too many syllables. And I find that some of her diction is weird, where she, I don't know if you know anything about singing, but like, you're, singing is all about vowels. So they talk about vowel sounds, or like a very 90s sound with vowels where like people would quite often say like A instead of E, where I find where there's these a negative way of singing or something is thought of as poor singing technique is to enunciate on the consonants. And she does that a fair bit on some of the songs where she'll like enunciate on the R. So so she'll be like, think harder. So she'll be like enunciating and drawing out the consonant sound, which is sort of improper singing. It can be a choice, obviously. All singing is like anything musical. Right. But some of those moments I was just like, eh, like I didn't, that sort of, that sort of rubbed me kind of like, sort of like, I know just enough about singing to know that you shouldn't be doing that. (laughs) Oh, interesting. Yeah. I mean, obviously I sing, but I have no training and I have no idea what I'm doing. So I, yeah, I don't touch this album with much criticism. I really don't. I'm happy. To, I'm happy to throw it at our other albums, but this one uh, hard for me. I don't have many. Honestly, I don't have a lot of criticism. These are just sort of things that, like, by the time I listen to the album, you know, five six times through, like, these are the sort of starts the things that started popping out at me. Yeah. No. For sure. For sure. Having never listened to it all the way through before, the one thing I kept thinking of in terms of her singing, because you had mentioned you don't like the way her voice has matured as she's aged. Yeah, I don't. I love her as a person, and we'll get into that because I listen to some of her podcasts. But her voice is very different now, and it sounds when she tries to do some of the same notes or like in that higher range, she sounds a little bit more like she's struggling. And I don't want to point that out as something negative. I just, I noticed it. I noticed that it appears that it's more difficult for her to have that same kind of range that she had. Which is very natural. As as a human being ages, our singing naturally lowers in what we're in what notes are able to hit so people will not women especially will naturally somebody who's soprano may end up as like an alto almost by the time they're you know if you think stevie nicks is like a perfect example if you think if you listen to like early fleetwood mac stuff and you listen to her performing it now she's gone from a place she doesn't hit any high notes anymore she just stays in this little wheelhouse of like one octave right right right. and she just she just lives there and it's very low so it's very natural for someone like alanis at at the point now where she's probably the better part of 50 to have a warmer and lower voice yeah yeah 100 percent. she's 46 slow down well Okay, she's 10 years older than we are. Okay. But she's, I mean... Okay, 10 years older than us is not 50, my friend. Slow down. I don't know. I'll be uh, be 37 in like two and a half months. That's the better way. That's That feels like mostly 40. That feels like most of the way to 40. Fuck off. 
you, I don't know, I think I'm just, I have children, I'm watching them get big now, so just having all those, like, mortality crises and stuff, and, and my parents are talking about death a lot, so yeah. I think I'm just surrounded by it. Um, but I think it's, it's sort of natural. But I think I it, the thought that I had about her voice is that there's points in this where, like, she's really pushing her voice. Yeah. To where she's just, like, just on the line of, like, it breaking or her, like, flying way off into, like, you know, out of tune and stuff. And it occurred to me, especially on the song Forgiven, yeah. I think is, um, where she just, like, really pushes her voice. I think it's that. I think it's Forgiven where she really, really pushes her voice. Yeah. She I just started does. Started thinking. I just started thinking, like, they would never make this album now. They would Pro Tools the shit out of her voice, and it wouldn't sound like this. It would auto-tune its way to that <laughs> note. Well, they, well the pro, and it wasn't even need auto-tune. Like, with Pro Tools, you can just, like, change the pitch of a song, of a, of a note, oh. of somebody's voice. Like, yeah. and it doesn't sound auto-tuned. They just, like, well, like, okay, well, we actually need this, this note that they sang to be, like, here. So we're just going to move it up, and it'll just, like, make it sound naturally, all in pitch. Mm-hmm. And I think this is one of the, like, and, and you hear like old school artists talking a lot about how like the imperfections of, of a music recording or where the magic comes from. And there's just imperfections all over the place with her recordings. Isn't that wonderful? Give me it imperfections is. over autotune or fucking anything any day. And it's funny because you love listening to live recordings. I have no interest in listening to them because if I'm listening to them live, they're better be right in front of me and I better be half in the bag and jumping around. Like <laughs> Half baked. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I better be in the middle of a middle-aged mosh pit. <laughs> I don't care. But it's those imperfections that, I don't know, help you connect with the music. And when I hear songs that are just so far off of what this person can sing i just like how do you connect with that it's like our it's a robot it's someone else has written the lyrics someone has auto-tuned or whatever the fuck you're talking about it's just like it's just it's i just that doesn't interest me like it, music is an art it's not someone perfect it's like the social media issues we have of everyone looking perfect because they've filtered and 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 then we all get this comparison problem where their life looks whatever just show it as it is be raw if your voice you know doesn't hit perfectly or whatever let it be we're gonna connect with that more because we none of us are perfect and you know that's what makes it special so absolutely and if yeah. the album's not perfect there's a better chance that if you see that artist they're not going to be lip syncing they're going sure. to be singing i've because never everything seen that an they... artist lip sync <laughs> <laughs> that you yeah i don't think i have either but i've been suspicious at times yeah um, one of the best concerts i ever went to was ramstein and there was moments in that concert where i was like is he lip syncing I don't think he oh, is. Wow! But he just sounded so perfect, right? Where did just, you see Ramstein? In Edmonton. Cool. I saw Ramstein in Edmonton in 2011, I think. Their only Western Canada date, for some reason, was in Edmonton. Cool. And so I just ran into people at that concert from like fucking Vancouver. They driven like 14 oh, hours to get yeah, to. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And they were just like so butthurt. They're like, "Why the hell would they come here and not come to Vancouver?" Yeah, for <laughs> sure. I can. I understand that. Yeah, literally, them coming here to Edmonton and not Calgary and not Vancouver, it would be like Ramstein coming to Ottawa, but not Toronto and Montreal. Yeah, no, that's <laughs> bizarre. But crossed off a bucket list band for me, man. <laughs> sure, <Hold> like, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> oh my god, I want to listen to, I've been listening, I'll, I'll jump, just real quick, because we talked about, talking about the music that we listen yes, to. Yes, I made a list, so yeah. Ramstein, I've definitely fallen into listening to Ramstein like the last two weeks, and I was like, I really want to listen to Ramstein on the podcast. And now that Steven's not here and he doesn't like metal music, I was like, maybe we can do it. <laughs> yes, for sure. My partner and I don't agree on any music because he can one day be listening to Tool and then the next day be listening to like Russian orchestras that sound like someone's being murdered. And he, I'm here for that. And we, <laughs> but we both have this like secret love of Rams, Ramstein, 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 Ramstein. I made amazing I made amazing comedy lyrics to the Duhas song the other day and I forget them but they were uh, fantastic and on point. Yeah, I um I was 
I was dating this this woman at the time because it was before Renee and Liam moved here and we were sort of in an on-off period and whatever. So I had a girlfriend at the time. We had been together for a while and I found out, it's kind of by accident, like I think I had some like mixed CD on in the car or something like that. And like a Ramstein song came on and she was like, oh my God, you like Ramstein? I was like, who doesn't? Yeah. I was like, do you? She's like, I fucking love Ramstein. I was like, how are we learning this like a year in? I'm like, <laughs> Anyway, so yeah, um, Ramstein was coming to Edmonton. And I looked at her and I was like, I don't care how broke we are. I don't care if We're we going. have the fucking ramen noodles. We are going and we are getting good seats. It's the only time I've ever bought StubHub seats. I bought scalper tickets to go see Ramstein on the floor. Nice. No fucking regrets. There are days that I'm still sad I'm not there. Like, I just want to be there sometimes, in the concert. Oh, <laughs> I'm so happy you did that because sometimes you just have to be like, I can't afford this. But when are they ever coming back? Fuck it. I hate Blues Fest in Ottawa. I hate the layout of it. it I've said this before. It's too big. Yeah. It's gross. If I hadn't sucked it, actually, someone gave me free tickets, so this is a bad story. But if I hadn't <laughs> fucking taken those free tickets like a hero, I would have never seen Soundgarden before Chris Cornell uh, died. So the uh, lesson fuck. is always take free tickets. No, that was not the lesson. The lesson is like, if it's someone you have to see, you don't know when they're coming around again. You don't know when we're going to get into a two-year pandemic where you're not going to see any concerts. I am so lucky that I did a whole bunch of concerts right before this hit at a venue I fucking hate. And I sucked it up and I went and I saw a bunch of Canadian bands like right before we hit lockdown last year. I'm so, I never feel, I never feel bad about throwing the money at a concert. Even though I have no memory and I can't remember it, it doesn't matter. I had a great time. <laughs> you were there. And that's something I've never really prioritized. And I think I got into, I think we talked about it even off the podcast where so many of the bands that I loved didn't really exist by the time I started listening to them. So there's a lot of bands that like, I would love to see Alice in Chains to this day. And they've come to Edmonton since I've lived here. And in, in those moments where like, when I was in that situation to go see Ramstein, I didn't have kids here. Right. It was just the two of us. And like, if we had to go and eat shitty food for a, a month because we went to see Ramstein, no one else suffered but us. But subsequently, like I have kids now. And, and so I've never been able to justify going to see Alice in Chains. But also there's a little part of me that's like Lane Staley's dead. And Lane Staley is probably the main reason I love Alice in Chains. So it's like, but you know, but you hear those stories, right? Like I'll never see Soundgarden now ever. They're done. And there's so many stories as a huge Nirvana fan. There's so many, you see so many like comments even on YouTube and you can take those with the grain of salt that they should be taken with of people being like, they came to my town and I figured I'll catch them next time. I am telling you right now, I've known you forever. I love you very much as a friend. If Alice in Chains ever comes anywhere near you, I will fucking work overtime and send you every penny. You have to. You have to. You have to. I know it's not the same. It's the same as me going to... I saw Moist right before this pandemic started. And I know it's not the same. I mean, obviously, it's still David Usher, but they're, you know, 100 years old. And I know it's not the same, but you just... It's like... Ah, it it's worth it. I think if I saw Alice in Chains live, it might be the best chance I would have of having that like crying. You know, you see like those videos of like I women seeing bands or, or people seeing Paul McCartney and they're just like these grown men in their fucking 70s. They're just like in fucking tears because it's Paul McCartney. I think if I saw Alice in Chains, I'd probably it would be that for me. It'd be like meeting Mark Hamill almost. Just to be like, you have no idea how like how many emotional moments in my life are tied up in your music. Yeah, I and which is why I didn't suggest them for our breakup albums. Yeah, like, it would be too much. You're like, I'm just gonna <laughs> sob through this. Um, uh, the first time I met Moist, I cried like a baby, and they were like, "Are you okay?" I'm like, "I don't know. I don't know. I'm you know 17, and I have a lot of emotions, and I don't know, and I don't know." And uh, like it was, it's not the same thing. It's different, but I hear you. I'm a big music. Uh, I just, I'm a big baby when it comes to it. So I yeah. get it. I remember I, I saw Ringo Starr in the All Star Band, which I should have brought up last week when we did Super Tramp because Roger Hodgson was in his All Star Band mm. at that time. So I've seen Roger Hodgson perform Logical Song, Give a Little Bit, and I think Breakfast in America With Live. Paul I think McCarty? those are the. 
with Ringo Starr. Sorry, Ringo Starr. I immediately switched yeah. that to something more important. Yeah. <laughs> and I should have mentioned it because I actually saw Ringo Starr with the girlfriend I had at the time where I was listening to Roger for the crime of the century. Amazing. Totally okay. a story for last week. But I remember when Ringo came out on stage, I just looked at her because I hadn't been to that many concerts and certainly not people that I gave a shit about. And I'm a huge, huge, huge Beatles fan. He came out on stage and I just looked at her. I'm like, it's fucking Ringo. He's right there. <laughs> like... That's so She's funny. like, yeah. That's a big so, deal. That's a huge deal. Yeah. So I saw a Beatle in concert. Oh, I was listening to Alan Cross and there was a funny Beatle fact and I thought of you because you, I'm sure you'd listen to it. It's like how they all had mustaches because Paul McCartney had face planted and had a cut so they all grew mustaches yeah. and I was like, I'm sure yeah. you know that because I know you're a crazy Beatles fan. So to get back to... Alanis, I just want to let you know something that I started listening to because of Alanis. Have you ever heard of Tracy Bonham? Uh, it rings a bell, but not enough for me to like be like, yeah. Right up there with You Ought to Know is Mother Mother. It's a Tracy Bonham song. She's American. She never made it huge, but this was her biggest hit. And it's that same lady angsty rock. And this song was almost as important to me as you ought to know. Uh, it's fantastic. It gets very heavy. I think this was my theme song the whole time I was traveling around Europe. It's basically her screaming, I'm hungry, I'm dirty, I'm losing my mind, everything's fine. And then I kind of got into Alanis's other music and I listened to some Lily Allen, who I also don't know if you know, but she's British and- um, I know Lily Allen, I don't know. Okay, Lily Allen has that song one. like, fuck you, fuck you too. Anyways, it's adorable. So it, it yeah. those are the other things that I kind of started listening to while we were listening to Alanis, because I think that's a very interesting thing that we have brought up recently about how it how it leads you to other things. Yeah, I think it's fun. Yeah. And it doesn't necessarily take, like, the fact that I started listening to Ramstein as a result of Lannis Morissette makes absolutely no fucking sense. Oh, no, no, no. Yeah. There I was just the same. (laughs) That's funny. I'll listen to that song after we record, though, because I want to give it the proper listen, Mm because I basically, like, I'm listening to music. I always do, as I've mentioned before in the podcast. I always listen to this, the album that we're doing. I can't. But it's, like, cranked way down. It's cranked way down. Yeah, definitely enjoy that song. I listen to that far too much. Yeah, I just wanted to mention some of the fun lyrics that I like every time I scratch my nails does someone else's back. I hope you feel it. I feel I fucking love that. And then I always kind of laugh when um, you took me out to wine dine 69 me. <laughs> it's so 90s. <laughs> like, um, but didn't hear a damn word I said. Like I, it kills me. It kills me. But I, I messaged you earlier and I knew she had podcast, which I tried to listen to before, but it's very spiritual, intellectual, which is great, but it's sometimes hard to listen to because she's so, she's so smart and knows so much that she quite often like overtalks the guests. So I had found that before and I stopped listening, but I realized she did one with Gabor Mate, who I know, he's Canadian. He's a well-known... Ooh, I didn't prepare any spiel for him, but uh, he's a doctor that deals a lot with uh, addictions, and he's been connected with ayahuasca from Vancouver. Anyways, uh, I listened to that today, and holy shit, she is so intelligent. She deep dives and is constantly talking about how she's in therapy, how about she's always doing these spiritual learnings. She could rhyme off all these quotes from her teachers. Um, She blew my mind. She is really fantastically intelligent and smart. And I'd had kind of uh, a glimpse of that at the beginning of the pandemic, she was in the news because she was unschooling her children, where okay. she was not, she was taking all the rigidity out of education and schooling and just, you know, if you think this is interesting at 11 o'clock at night, we're going to deep dive into that and we're going to learn about that. And my sister and I were talking about it because of course she had her kids at home and, and we both mm-hmm. love her and we're following her on Instagram and it, she's just so progressive and so cool and she blew my mind on that podcast about how i like 
I'm a dummy, so I don't have any other words for it, but she is so self-aware and so obsessed with self-growth and is so well-read. She just, whoa, whoa. She was amazing. I love people like that. I love people that make you, like you can just sit there and just like, they're so knowledgeable about a topic. Yeah. Or what they're discussing that you just, you 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 feel yourself becoming better as a result of it. Yes. I remember when Christopher Hitchens was alive. Yes. I listened to this shit all the time. And every time I listen to Christopher Hitchens and whether you agree with him or not, yeah. there's no denying that that man was intelligent and he was well-read and he was a good public speaker. Yeah. And every time I heard him debate something or give an answer to something, it was just like, this man doesn't meander anywhere. Mm-hmm. He doesn't trot off topic. He, he knows all of these quotes. He knows exactly what he's talking about. And I was just like, I am better for having heard that. Whether I agree with him or not, yeah. I'm better for having heard that. This is why I'm obsessed with podcasts. I can listen to yeah. Sam Harris or Yuval Harari or people talk for fucking ever. I'm like, shower me with your knowledge. Yeah. I, I realized during my like couple of weeks ago, complete submersion into Atlantis on YouTube. I found this like interview she did where she, it was some kind of like talk about your favorite books or something like that. It was, it was basically, that was the premise of the episode or I don't know if that was the show or not. And she's sitting in this room in her house and it looks like the fucking library from Beauty and the Beast. You're nodding like you've seen this clip as well. No, I and haven't seen like the clip, but she, when she was on uh, Jimmy Fallon or something recently, she was in books everywhere. Yeah. Yes. And so, and she was talking about how, like, she was talking about these books that she loved and it wasn't just like, you know, fiction books. And she was talking about all these like things that like she learned from. And she's talking about how she'd like developed perfume that smells like flipping through a book. She's like, it's the best smell in the world. So she has like Alanis perfumes. I don't know if they're for sale or she's just had them made for herself. She's like, it's the best smell in the world. And she's like flipping through this book. She's like, I have perfume made that smells like a book. And oh man! <laughs> this woman's a lot more like you know. Colloquially, she's remembered as the yeah, you know, cross-eyed bear woman, <laughs> the angsty teenager, <laughs> the or angsty whatever. woman. She yeah, the angsty twenty-year-old that she was in 1995. But as a human being, there's just so much more to her. And like even even watching her perform some of these songs acoustically now like when you see her in stage now you know she's just so like centered and sure of herself and even like in somewhere like howard stern where it's very sort of like probably a very fake environment she can still sit there and just like belt it out and it's a hundred percent every time and you know hearing her do acapella versions of the secret song on the album what is yes. it yes <laughs> your house your house would you forgive me love yeah yeah so i looked up some like recent versions of her performing that like as as recent as 2019 oh really yeah sitting on a stool you know somebody there like acoustic guitar just like hits a chord so that she kind of gets the key in her head and she just sings the whole thing like a cappella you know and, and like between like doing that and like crushing it at like eight nine months pregnant it's like i've i've had kids and I, I don't mean any I don't mean any disrespect, but it's like once you're cut to our age, you've known a lot of pregnant people. And not a lot of the pregnant people I know by that point in their pregnancy are just like crushing it on stage. Like yeah. or you know, I know like when Renee was pregnant, by the time she got to like almost having the baby, sitting down with her feet up was probably the extent of what she wanted to do. Yeah. She's like, my feet are swollen and I hate you and everything sucks and I weigh a million pounds <laughs> and, you know, all of that. And Alanis is just like still crushing it and not even at a mic stand. She's still doing her like Alanis, like 50,000 steps back and forth across the stage. And I was like, this woman is fucking a tank. Like, she's, uh, she's amazing. And when you hear, I'm like, having a podcast about Alanis. I, we are. But when you listen to this or a podcast, if you can get through it, because it's intense. You're not even going on any tangents. <laughs> no, I just, you're listening to it and it almost feels like music is her side hustle for her just being a fucking intelligent human. 
You know what I mean? She she apparently yeah. is trained in these certain ways of psychotherapy or whatever, and she does workshops, and it's just like, she just feels like so rich and deep as a human, and you're like, oh, and you fucking sing some songs. Like, <laughs> interesting. It's like how Carrie Fisher was all of these, like, really awesome things, and she also, like, dabbled in acting. Yeah, she, yes, that's what it <laughs> felt like. I was like, oh, yeah, and you sing some stuff. Yeah. Can you imagine though, like when you, the reason I thought of Carrie Fisher is when you were like giving workshops and like, I thought of that like moment in Austin Powers where Carrie Fisher is the therapist. Oh my God. I've been starting to watch <laughs> every nineties movie I've ever watched. So. <laughs> and I just thought of like, can you imagine going to like a workshop and Alanis walks in? She's like, Hey everyone. Yeah. Welcome to the workshop today. We're going to, and you just be like. What, what the fuck is happening? <laughs> I actually started looking up some of the stuff she was talking about, and I got into a major wormhole this afternoon of like, man, I need to do better for myself. I need to learn about this stuff. And then I kind of was trying to figure out how I could have Alanis teach me it. But it's, I don't know if you watch Inside Amy Schumer, which I think is the greatest television series alive but she does this thing where she's going to therapy with her boyfriend but her therapist is Chrissy Teigen <laughs> and she's like anyways just takes over the whole scene and is hysterical but I, I I get that when you say like oh Alanis is in the room and you're like I don't know how to I don't know how to deep dive myself when you want to know is right here I don't know how I could do it you talk about TV shows it's like there was that episode of New Girl where they go to pr a party at Prince's house and they're meeting Prince and they're both yes. just like frozen. He's like, I'm sorry, I haven't given you adequate time to freak out yet. You may do that now. <laughs> they both just fall to pieces. And I feel like if Alanis walked in a room and it's like, oh, I'm sorry, I haven't given you all enough time to freak out yet. Just be like, <laughs> Which is so funny because she's from Ottawa. My brother worked at the residence where her parents lived. I'm two blocks away. <laughs> away from the high school she went to i know people who went to high school with her and did not like her but who liked anyone in high school who gives a shit my uncle went to school with uh, went to high school with dan Aykroyd, and he was like was weird <laughs> yeah but can you imagine like being a teenager in high school and knowing that you have talent or trying to share a talent that you already are aware of of course you'd be seen as a dick you yeah, know? well, it occurred to me, I was thinking about that, because you mentioned that, I think, when we were having conversation off podcast. You know, when you think of, like, and I, I was thinking of the uh, the song, again, under um, Hands Clean, where she's talking about that relationship she had with that person that was way older than her, and took it, like, basically, like, her Me Too song, basically. Okay. But she was 14 when that happened. Okay. And if you think that, like, if she was already in the music business at that point, she was, like, releasing her dance music as Alanis at, like, 16, 17 years old. If you think that, like, she was probably in the music business at that point, being taken advantage of and potentially, like, statutorily raped by, like, way older men and groomed by way older men and then sent back to, like, regular high school, Sweet of high course school. she was a bitch. Yeah, like, of course she was impossible to be around. Like, she was dealing with things that, like, those people potentially couldn't even possibly fathom. But even without that, if I think I'd seen someone in high school that was so put together that at, you know, 15, 16 knew what they wanted to do and recognized their talent and was on this trajectory for amazingness, I'd fucking hate them. <laughs> I'm not interested in your success. <laughs> it's impossible to have the maturity at that point in your life to be anything other than, like, green with jealous rage. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Yeah, 100%. Well, wow. we we uh, we stayed on topic in ways that we never have before. I knew we would. Oh. I was so excited about this. <laughs> I'm so I was. Oh, I just wanted to tell you her kids' names. Yeah, yeah please. Onyx Solis, Ever Imer, Imra, Winter Mercy. God bless you, Alana. That's that's a lot to live up to. <laughs> oh, oh my God. Yeah. I love her. I love her and she's from Ottawa and I'm so happy that the whatever it was called angsty alt rock queen was represented here because she she I don't know changed my life musically I guess. Yep it's and it's cool to like you feel like it's sort of it involves you in some weird way because nothing like that. I mean, Ryan Reynolds, I guess, is from Ottawa and stuff, but it's Cornwall. still like, eh. yeah, yeah. So it's you I know, know people who like went to high school with him too. He was a big dork. <laughs> <laughs> 
I, uh, I love saying, I love thinking that when I see him on screen and I'm like, you're hot. Oh yeah, you went to Cornwall and you were a dork. That's great. That's arm- fantastic. From the armpit of Ontario. Yeah, for like <laughs> honestly. I watched uh, I watched Alanis as like, what is it, MTV Cribs or some such thing, and it was her penthouse in Ottawa that she subsequently sold. And it's just funny because it's like I've driven past that building. Where was it? Oh God, I'd have to look it up. It's just off Sussex Drive. 110240 Bolletter Street. Sussex? B-O-T-E-L-E-R. It's right near the Parliament Buildings. It's near like a bunch of um Oh, okay. I don't know that area. Embassies and stuff. I was kinda of hoping it was this area, but hoping, hoping it was this area. Okay, fascinating. Okay, great. Oh, yeah. I, it, was just, it was over near the Parliament Buildings. I thoroughly enjoyed this discussion and knew I was going to. It's so fun to gush over someone me too so thanks for this i mean i don't really have any final thoughts other than you owe it to yourself to listen to this album it's a cultural milestone she is a canadian treasure just just listen to it (laughs) i still can't listen i've listened to you ought to know a thousand times and i still can't listen to it without like singing along at the top of my lungs and just tearing up through it I don't know. Have you listened to the acoustic version of this album? Uh, I started to, I think, because I was listening to all of the albums, uh, like, after this. So, what's the one that was in Shep- what, uh, Shepherd's Bush? There was, like, a anniversary... You can cut this all out. I'm talking nonsense. But there's an anniversary edition where they... There's, like, the UK live version. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's a good... Yeah. And I just laughed because out of all the places in London, I used to live there (laughs) have you seen Alanis live yeah I was gonna say this I have seen so many live shows and I don't think I've seen Alanis Morissette live but I was going to buy tickets for her to go to uh to see her at Blues Fest uh last year and I never go to Blues Fest, so you better be fucking good for me to go to Blues Fest. And, um, of course, everything was fucking canceled. But I actually, honest to God, think this would have been my first time ever seeing her, which blows my mind. I've seen Moist six, six, seven times. I've seen Matt Good four or five times. Like, I'm really shocked I have not... I am too. Yeah. I don't know. I would have thought you would have. And maybe, you know what? By the time next week comes, my brain might have kicked in and I'll remember. But I really don't think I have. Don't worry about it. Because it occurred to me, two other bands that I started listening to as a result of this were Oasis and R.E.M. And it occurred to me. Those are like 90s. Yes. Mid 90s. 100% rock solid. Um, It occurred to me that I've seen Oasis live with you. I saw Oasis? You and I went to see Oasis at the Corral Center, whatever the hell it's called now. I don't believe you. Because I, I worked for a company that had a box there, and they would offer up the concert tickets because everybody wanted hockey tickets. The owner wanted to go see I hockey. remember. I feel like you and I went to a hockey game. No, we went and saw Oasis. And you know how I remembered? Because I was watching a bunch of live Oasis stuff, and I was watching like Liam Gallagher solo live stuff. And I remember during the concert, you looked at me and you were like, oh my God, look at him. I knew guys like him in England and ugh, look at how fucking arrogant he is. Oh my and God. Watching Liam Gallagher on stage reminded me that you said that to me. And I was like, that's right. I saw Oasis. I remember seeing Oasis on their last tour before they broke up. It was like the show before Noel Gallagher got tackled in Toronto and got injured. And it was basically the beginning of the end for them. We went and saw them in a box that my work had in Ottawa in like 2008, right before I moved to Edmonton. And I completely forgot that you were the person that went with me, but you and I went and that's- I don't remember. I remember being in a box with you and drinking Corona, but Mm -hmm. I was so certain it was at a hockey game, but my brain- It was at the hockey arena. My brain is broken. I don't need to say that every episode, but I do. I don't remember that at all but i am so impressed that i've seen oasis (laughs) (laughs) yes um i completely forgotten as well i forgot that i went with you that's so great 
But watching Oasis and Liam Gallagher clips on YouTube as a result of listening to Alanis this week reminded me that you and I went to that together. Oh, that's a great throwback. I didn't I didn't think I'd ever seen Oasis. Uh, that's we have we're, we saw we're the last so tour. impressive check us out we saw Oasis on the last tour and i and that was the, uh, the uh, that was the concert where ryan adams opened and ryan adams played as the opener longer than oasis did i remember leaving that concert being pretty disappointed that they didn't play very long and ryan adams that's a whole other topic we were already at well over an hour. Yeah. So um, <laughs> no, I know. Probably shouldn't dive into we're Ryan We're going to cut this off, but I have to give you the album for next week. Okay, so any closing yes, thoughts on Atlantis? I think we've already hit it. Listen to it. And I have no songbird. All the songs go well together. Yeah, for sure. I couldn't. I would never be kicked out of that album. I'm in it beginning to end. Uh, love her, Ottawa Girl. Bless her. I think she's amazing. And if you ever want to really deep dive into Alanis, her podcast is uh, deep and intense and mind-blowing. And yes, next album. As I was saying before we started recording, I kind of got so deep into Alanis, I forgot that I also had the responsibility of offering another album. But I'm going right in the lines with you where our first album was a kind of a specific thing and the second album was like, no, I just put this on when I feel like this. So this is a very specific or non-specific breakup album. And I don't know if you know anything about it, but it's A Perfect Circle, Merdinal. I don't. I know that I know some of the members of a perfect circle. Of like course. I know James Aya oh. from Smash Pumpkins is in a perfect circle. And also fucking James Maynard Keenan. Yeah. So I would say I have heard some a perfect circle, but I've never listened to an album all the way through. Much like I've never listened to a Tool album all the way through, and I don't think I've listened to a Smashing Pumpkins album all the way through. Okay, I I just want to make sure I said that right. It's Maynard James Keenan, because I constantly get him mixed up with an economist from the UK, and we'll talk about that (laughs) later. It's an embarrassing party trick. I mean, naturally. It's an embarrassing (laughs) party trick. (laughs) (laughs) And and what's the album again? Merde de Non. Is that the live album? No. No, ma'am. Oh, um, there's one called Married and I'm Live, and I was like, no way. I will, okay, never yeah, pitch, I will never pitch you a live album. All right, I'm probably going to listen to it, though. I'm just, anyway. Okay, Married and I'm from 2000, a perfect circle next week. Awesome. Oui. Bien. Bien. <laughs> Bien le. Merci. Merci pour l'année. Bien le. Ah, c'est mon plaisir. Um, yeah, thanks so much for listening. We're going to cut it off because we are running way long. Way long. Shut and it we'll down. just keep gushing after the podcast. So tune yeah. in next week. Thanks so much for listening. Stephen, if you've made it this long, if you've made it, if any of you have made it this long in the podcast, <laughs> thanks so much. Hit us up on Instagram. We're going to try and improve our social media presence. Life number two labyrinth, as it says in our outro, which is coming up right now. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to Life to Labyrinth podcast. Theme music by Devin Rose. Find Devin on Bandcamp or any streaming service. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Life Number Two Labyrinth. <laughs>